to Freedom to Choose, brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, giving hope to people caught in the devastation of addiction. In this series, Questions I'd Like to Ask God, Rich Kallenberg shares 10 messages about God who loves you more than you can imagine. A God that wants you to understand Him. And yes, a God that welcomes your difficult questions about Himself and the way He runs His universe. Rich found freedom 18 years ago from his out-of-control life of drug addiction and alcoholism when God found him. Break free from the chains that may bind you or your loved ones. Now here's Rich on Freedom to Choose. Something interesting in one of the texts before that we see, and that is that it says in Revelation 20:13 that death and hell delivered up the dead. So if death and hell delivered up the dead to be judged, where were the dead? That's the question that we want to answer tonight. If death and hell delivered up the dead to be judged, where have they been? Have they been burning in hell, then they get resurrected, and so God will judge them and then burn them again? Where have they been? So that's the question we want to answer tonight. Okay? Now we're going to answer this tonight by starting in the book of Exodus. Okay? Because it's very important that we start someplace back when we were, when they are trying to figure out when they are trying to figure out who to follow, and when the Pharisees and when the scribes were trying to figure out who to follow, there was confusion between the God of the Old Testament and this new God of the New Testament called Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is trying to explain to them something. So let's go back to Exodus first and let's talk about something and let's see what they described God as back in the book of Exodus. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come into the children of Israel, and I shall say unto them, The God of your who? The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. What did God say? Moses said, Who shall I say sent you? Who shall I say you are? And God said, Tell them, I am has sent you. What does God call himself? I am. What does he call himself? I am. Okay? Now, let's go to the book of John. Jesus is now claiming to be God, which is a sin if you're not God. Then the Jews, in John 8, 57, Then the Jews said unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? We know he had. Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, what? I am. Who is Jesus claiming to be? He is claiming to be the one who sent Moses to get Israel. He is claiming to be the God 
of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But not only does he do it here, it's interesting. He really wants to get the point across. And you'll see it all throughout the book of John. In fact, it is so redundant, and it is in so many colors and from so many ways that you cannot help but think this guy is everything. I am the bread of life, John 6, 48. John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. John 8, 23, I am from above. John 10, 9, I am the door. John 10, 12, I am the good shepherd. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Are you starting to get a pattern? Are you starting to understand what Jesus wants to do here? Are you starting to, to see that Jesus is trying to make a point? He's covering all the bases on how you would ever come to God spiritually. The bread of life, the light of the world, he's from above, he's the way in, he's the door, he's the good shepherd. Every which way that you could come to God, I am, he says, the truth and the life. Jesus said to them, before I, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. That is a very interesting statement, isn't it? Before Abraham was, I am. Friends, Jesus is everything. He is everything. And he states it over and over. If we study the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not only will we be given examples on how to live, but we will also find doctrinal truths in regards to death and resurrection. He's our example on how to live. He's our example on how to die with dignity. He is our example on where we go when we die. And he is our example on where we go when we resurrect. He is everything. Are you with me? Okay. Now, when we work, we do a lot of schools and hospitals and things like that, our, our concrete crew, that, require, that, that are what they call publicly funded jobs. You all pay taxes, the taxes go to build schools, so your tax money ends up in my pocket in a roundabout way. We're an independent contractor, and so, but the, one of the stipulations, one of the things that we have to do, uh, and it's a pleasure to do, believe me, is we get to train apprentices, and sometimes the, the, uh, the business agent will call me up. He says, you know, I got a kid here, but he, he just needs a break. He just needs a chance. In fact, he did that last summer. We've got a kid that uh, he, he needed a work ethic. And we brought him in and we trained him. And, you know, now we get on a big slab. We strap a vibrator on that guy's back and he wears it 10, 12, 14 hours that day, doesn't complain. But the reason that there is an apprenticeship program and the reason why they want us to train, and why, by law we do that on publicly funded jobs, is so these kids will have role models. They will have someone who's been through the trials of pouring concrete and understands the ins and outs, and they learn the right way to do things. They learn how not to fall off a six-floor deck. They learn how not to get hurt by a riding machine. 
They learn all kinds of things. And so we get to train them. The point of the matter is, is human beings need role models. They need someone who's covered the ground that they're about to cover as an example. Now, not always. Some of us like to explore. There's been no role models that have gone up to space. And then once they did, I mean, that would really be scary, right? But for the most part, isn't it nice when someone's covered the ground you have and when you have a problem, you can sit down and talk with that person. You know, what would you do when this happened? Or what would you do when you ran into this problem? That's nice, isn't it? And Jesus is our role model. He's everything. He is our example on how to live. He's our example on how to die. And he's our example on where we go going today. Now, in his example on how to live, in the Old Testament, they had what you call a sanctuary service. And Jesus had not yet come. Yet, God instructed them to look forward by faith to Jesus who was about to come. And so he said to them, in regards to dealing with the sin problem, Jesus is not yet here. This, the Messiah is not yet here. However, you can look forward to the Messiah if you use this simple sanctuary service that I've set up. When you sin, if you sin, simply take a lamb to the sanctuary, lay your hands on the head of that lamb, confess your sins, and your sins will symbolically be transferred to the head of that lamb. Your guilt, your shame will now be transferred, now be born to this innocent little lamb. So you, the guilty party, now become innocent. And the innocent party now becomes symbolically guilty. Are you with me? Is that what happened with Jesus? Was he innocent? Did he take our guilt so that we could become innocent? So you see, it's a perfect example. Okay? So, but there was a condition. These lambs, it says, take two young bullocks and one ram, seven lambs of the first year. What's that say? Without spot. Without spot. And in the beginnings of your months, you shall offer a burnt offering to the Lord. And the second day you shall offer 12 young bullocks, two rams, 14 lambs of the first year. What? Without spot. Numbers 29, 26. And on the fifth day, nine bullocks, two rams, and 14 lambs of the first year. What? Without spot. Without spot. In other words, these lambs had to be perfect for some reason. They had to be perfect for some reason. Now, if we go to 1 Peter in the New Testament, and we talk about things of Jesus... You'll notice that Peter says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So let's see what it means. Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives. You husbands, you love your wives? One hand came up. Two, oh, you got it. You saved yourself, pastor. 
Husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave him. That was a smart man. He got that thing up there all the way. He's standing on his tippy toes. That's a smart man. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and what? Cleanse, cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. What? Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So what did this little lamb without spot represent? The holy life of Jesus Christ without spot, without blemish. And he wants to present us the same way. See, he is the example. He is the lamb without spot. He is the perfect person. And if we hold him as our example, he can present us as a church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Now, in that way, if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, he will show us how to live. Are you with me? He was the lamb without spot, without blemish. Everything he did is an example on, uh, for us on how to live. And you know what the most important thing that he did as our example? The most important thing? I know he did a lot of healing. He helped a lot of people. But as our example, the most important thing he did was he had the connection with the Father. He prayed earnestly for you and me. He was constantly searching the Father's will. And that's why and how he lived as a lamb without spot. So that's our example. Now let's talk a little bit about death. We're not wired to deal with death. Death is a very, very difficult thing. One of my best friends, I've known him all my life, I went to school with him, walked his wife into the hospital last Wednesday. She passed away two nights ago. She walked into the hospital last Wednesday she, they x-rayed her, found out she had a tumor, gave her two months to live. The next day, she said, they said she's got two days to live. She lived about a day and a half. And that poor man is trying to find the answers. He's trying to, he just, what do you do? We're not wired to deal that way. In the Garden of Eden, before there was sin, everything was what? Very good. There was no death. Man was not created to deal with death. That's why it is such a horrible, horrible thing. We just don't process it. It was not God's intention. It happens. It's horrific. It's hard to deal with because we were not intended to deal with it. Yet God allows us to deal with it because this planet has problems. And God can only, God wants us to understand those problems and how malignant a planet can get when it's under the control of devil. As we look at how Jesus died, because he's our example on how to live, he's our example on how, we, how to die with dignity, we'll notice that when he died, he did a couple of real simple things that have a, 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 real, a whole lot of meaning to me and they will to you, I think, too. 
because I want you to first understand the situation. This man is being tortured. He's being tortured beyond comprehension because not only is he nailed to a cross, he is bearing your sins and my sins. I remember I used to, I couldn't stand it when my father used to tell me to quit feeling sorry for myself. I, I, I hated that. And when I think of someone who never felt sorry for themselves, it was this man right here. Remember, he's being tortured. He's bearing your sins and my sins. It's the worst day of his life. And notice what he does. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. In other words, John was standing right next to his mother. He said, Woman, behold thy son. In other words, then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. He has now just introduced John to his mother and his mother to John as mother and son. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. What did he just do? In agony, in horrific agony and pain, he has taken care of his mother. Right? Now, something very interesting also happened. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, where they crucified him, there they crucified him. Then said Jesus what? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and they parted his raiment and cast lots. I don't know about you, but if I'm bearing the sins of the world, and I've, if I'm being tortured, I don't know if the first thing on my mind would it be asked the Father to forgive those who just did that to me? Quite a man. Quite an example. Are you starting to get the desire maybe to follow him a little more? This is, this is, a, this is a real man here. A real man. If he's our example on how to live and how to die, then would he be our example on where we go when we die? Yes? No? I see some heads nodding. Okay, well, let's see what happens then. Okay, first let's go back to the book of Genesis and let's do some, if you will, third grade math. So Genesis 2.7 says something really interesting. It says, the Lord God formed man from where? From the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Everybody got it? That word soul, uh, that, that word breath, that word breath in the Hebrew simply means, it's, it's neshamal, uh, and it's a puff. That is wind, angry, or vital, or breath. You with me? He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Okay? And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils that breath of life and man became a living soul. What is that word there, do you suppose? That's nephesh, and it simply means a breathing creature. That's all it means. So God breathes into the nostrils of this man he's formed out of the dust, the breath of life, and man becomes a breathing, living creature. You with me? So let's look at the third grade math. Dust plus breath of life 
equals a living being. Dust plus breath of life equals a living being. Ink plus paper equals a document. Ink over here, paper over here does not equal a document. Ink plus paper equals a document, right? Wood plus nails is wood and nails. Wood and nails nailed together in a square fashion like Cliff would do is a box. Take the box apart, you have wood and nails, right? Dust plus breath of life equals a living being. Now, that would mean a living being or a soul minus the breath of life would equal dust. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 5, we notice that Solomon writes this, Desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Someone's died. Then shall the what? Dust return to the earth as it was, and the what? Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. So I wonder what that word spirit would be if our third grade math is right. What does it need to be? Breath. So let's look. Ruach. Wind. Breath. A violent exhalation. Okay? Air, blast, breath. Goes back to God who gave it. In the book of Luke 23:45, we see that the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, he gave up the ghost. Well, if our third grade math is right, what does that word spirit have to mean? Breath. Pneuma from which we get pneumatic, right? A current of air, that is breath, blast, or breeze. Into your hands I commend my life, my breath. Okay, now notice, also, it says, and having said this, he gave up the ghost. There you go, there it is, right? Well, that word for ghost is exneo. It simply means to expire. So, we have Jesus as a living being minus the breath of life equals what? Dust. So let's see. And behold. So let's look. Let's walk through it, okay? Let's walk through the death of Jesus and see what happens. And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and a just this man went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus as Jesus died. Yes, he begged for the body of Jesus. And he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone wherein never a man before was laid. Okay? Now, in the Jewish economy, everything was built around the seventh day. In fact, it went something like this. First day of the week, second day of the week, third day of the week, fourth day of the week, fifth day of the week, preparation day, which was in preparation for the what? Sabbath day. Everything was built around that, okay? So now Jesus has already died. They'd laid him in the tomb. Are you with me? Okay. 
And that day was the what? Preparation day. That is the day before the Sabbath. No? Which would be the sixth day of the week. Is everybody with me? Right? Okay? And that day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. In other words, the Sabbath was coming. It was late in the day, Friday. They took the body off the cross. They laid it in the sepulcher. That day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew near. Okay? And the woman also, which came with him from Galilee, followed after, and behold, and beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. Okay? Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the sepulcher. And they found the stone was rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. Which day of the week is it? First day. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose and this series, Questions I'd Like to Ask God. If you or someone you know is living in addiction captivity and having trouble finding God, Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that God does work miracles. They've created a seven-step, biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for yourself or someone you know, just give them a call and they'll send it to you. 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com Thank you for listening and remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you